Yate. Welcome to Too Many Men on the Field with Will Weber. Today's episode revolves around a modern predicament that stems back thousands of years. In order to get to the root of this problem, we need to go to St. Michael's, Arizona, or as it's more commonly referred to in the Navajo Nation, Window Rock. The Navajo, commonly self-referred to as Dine, presidential election has been a point of contention for both sides of the language revitalization debate. The question on the table, is language revitalization fair to the younger generations? In order to answer this question, we need to take a step back. Too many, too many men on the field. 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 Too many men, too many men on the field. In our world of today, Every year, there seems to be a new universal language that everyone's going to be speaking in a few years. We see Chinese and French immersion schools practically everywhere, and language homogeny seems to be the biggest trend right now. With such a push for singularity in languages, it seems to be looked upon less and less as a critical part of any group of people's culture. With that in mind, I interviewed one of my school's language specialists to get to the bottom of this case. Uh, so your name is? Nayeli Oregen. And uh, what languages do you know? I speak English, Spanish, and French. Um, so why is it important to have diversity in languages? Um, I think that it is important to have diversity in languages um, because languages are like a window to a culture and you can really understand a lot about how a culture thinks and their values and their history um, through their language. Um, And that is very important to Mm. keep. Um, So there's a lot of people saying right now that in a few years, the only language is going to be Mandarin Chinese or English or Spanish. Um, Do you agree with that notion? And do you think it's better or worse for society? Um, I think the languages that you just mentioned are growing exponentially every year um, and that more and more um, people are going to want to learn, for example, English right now, a lot of people want to learn it. Um, Mandarin is growing a lot also and Spanish. Um, but I don't think, ooh, sorry, but I don't um, think was your, I think your question was about language homogeny. Yes. Um, I think those languages will continue to exist and we will not have one universal mm. common language that has been attempted already with Esperanto mm. and has not been yeah. successful. Yeah. Um, So I think that most people will either rely on English Mm. probably for most um, activities such as financial, political, and Spanish, of course, is growing a lot also. Um, We also have French as one of those Mm. languages Mm -hmm. that is very important Mm -hmm. for history and political and financial world. 
business um, business yes of course so i think um, those will continue to be important languages yeah so every country in central and south america speaks uh, spanish excluding brazil and suriname um, but they're not all the same there's a big difference between mexico and the yucatan and southern argentina and so on um, with that granted do you think language is essential to the culture of a people Yes, um, I think that as a, as a Latina person myself, I do feel that the language connects us in a very important way, but I also appreciate the differences that all of these countries, for example, like you, you mentioned um, Argentina and like, for example, Venezuelans and Colombians, I think one of the most enriching conversations that I've had is when we actually sit and talk about language and we name those little differences mm. and details and it's very funny and, mm. <laughs> and it also um, makes me learn a lot about how they think about a particular thing and I think that's what makes language and culture very rich. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Gracias. No problem. She was really eloquent, and it made a good case for this diversity in language. But the Native American way, in the past 50 or so years, has always been to try and get an education in the outside world. It's encouraged in the Navajo tribe and many others throughout America. But in 2014, Navajo presidential candidate Christopher Deshane was disqualified from running because of his lack of Navajo fluency. I started to wonder, why does the Navajo tribe contradict itself when it comes to politics? So, many of these Native Americans seem to feel really dissociated with their past because they aren't able to speak the language of their ancestors. Do you believe knowing Chinese is critical to your heritage? Yes, of course. Mm. So, um, as Chinese is my native language, so um, I grew up in China, so that means in, during my lifetime, I will identify myself as a Chinese. But for my husband and my daughter who were born here, so my husband is a kind of a lose his heritage language. So um, his native language is English. So for him, I realized that he is kind of like lose most part of Chinese culture because he cannot speak mm. his heritage language. And for my daughter, so I forced her to speak Mandarin at home because mm. I want her to keep her heritage language. So one day <clears throat> when she grew up, she can associate with his language, uh, her language and the background culture. So I think that's very important. Um, and you're a language instructor. Do you think someone should be able to learn a language just outside of school because um, the predicament that a lot of Navajo children have is that on the Navajo reservation, they tell them to not go to the schools because the schools are very, very bad. So they tell them to go to schools, American schools, public mm -hmm. schools, but they still want them to know Navajo. Uh -huh. So do you think with maybe Duolingo or outside of school, do you think that's possible? Yeah, I mean, so being bilingual or multilingual is the trend for nowadays because the globalization and I think people can be benefit 
in many different aspects um, from being a bilingual or multilingual. And if a child or a student think that it's not necessary to learn enough language during the school, so I think it's it's okay. Like it's a, it will be good for them to take other language classes outside school or if they want to be a high proficiency speaker of that language. I think yeah. Um. So do you think that language revitalization could be unfair to the older generations who were assimilated out of knowing their language? Well, so. It will be a little unfair because they grew up with their own language, but as the society move forward, they like the younger generation kind of losing their own language. So it's it's important for both of a part, both older generation and the younger generation to learn together. Mm-hmm. So like the younger generation keeps studying their original mm-hmm. language while they're learning like more than languages. Yeah. And the old people can merge to like the younger people's society since they they, they have to communicate with each yeah, other, yeah. right? So that's a important that's a good way that we exchange. So we both speak older language and the modern language, so they can learn with each other. So that's yeah. a good way. Um, do you think it would be reasonable to expect younger Chinese speakers to be able to speak the dialect of where they're from? So yeah, from from my perspective, I think it's necessary for mm-hmm. them to learn. Like, not as, I mean, not as a high proficiency as their parents or grandparents, but at least they should know fair enough knowledge about their original sure. language, so they can reserve their language. They can identify their, you know, ethnicity or like the where they come from. Mm. Um. For sure. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Dingon. You're welcome. With what she said in mind, I had a question. In today's modern world, would a child who only knew Navajo be able to survive? But maybe let's back up in order to see the whole picture. This whole problem dates back hundreds of years and is an aspect of American history rarely covered in public school textbooks, the cultural assimilation of Native Americans. It occurred between around 1790 to about 1920. In fact, one of the reasons it isn't in textbooks is probably because its whole inception is co-credited to George Washington. About assimilation, Jay Storr writes, Native American assimilation began when the United States government, under the auspices of the Bureau of Indian Affairs, began forcing Native American children to attend boarding schools off the reservation. These schools challenged many of the tribally-centered beliefs of past Indian schools. They lumped together tribal groups, which made it difficult for Native instructors who had to negotiate complex linguistic and historical tensions. And Indian schools prized assimilation into white culture above Native traditions. This led to the erasure of many Native American cultural cornerstones, including language. So is language revitalization fair to the younger generations? I think so. More than 124,000 people are currently learning Navajo on Duolingo. More than 7,000 people speak it as their only language. And more than 171,000 speak it at a level of fluency. 
While it is considered language at risk, the digital age has brought about a level of data storage and archival that makes it possible to easily develop proficiency in any language, even incredibly obscure or even fictional languages like Tokpikal and High Valyrian. Couple that with the immersion of living around Dine-fluent community members, and I believe that learning Dine to a level of proficiency is definitely achievable, and has every right to be expected of any Dine politician or candidate. To take it out, why don't we listen to a powerful Dine tribal song? <laughs> 